canvas of gold were written these words. Whoso pulleth out this sword of this stone and anvil is rightwise king born of England. Though many tried for the sword with all their strength, none could move the sword nor stir it. So the miracle had not worked, and England was still without a king. And in time, the marvelous sword was forgotten. And welcome back to Disney Rewind, the show where we can't stop ruining your childhood one movie at a time. Before we get into today's episode, I would just like to thank everyone who's listened to these podcasts so far. They're doing a lot better than I had hoped um, when you devote your podcast to a single show and then make the executive change to switch it up and start exploring other avenues um you really expect that you're going to lose the majority of your your viewer base but that has not really happened we're still getting really good numbers on our episodes and i would just like to thank everyone so much for listening um this tiny dots will always be a passion project it uh it won't ever be monetized so all the any support is excellent. I really just like any support we can get. Anyway, on to the show. Today we will be discussing the 1963 film The Sword in the Stone. This film is sadly the last Disney animated film to be produced before Walt passed away. There's a lot to say about Walt Disney, and a good amount these days is not favorable, but it is undeniable that he is one of the most influential men to have lived in the last 100 years in both the fields of media and content creation, and uh, just in general, a very influential man. That being said, The Sword in the Stone is more than just an unfortunate milestone. It is also not very good, so I don't like it, but will the others like it? Will they hate it? You'll just have to wait. The Sword in the Stone was released on December 25th, 1963 to mixed reviews. Despite this, it was still a success for the studio, and has since then seen a pretty good bit of staying power due to its quirky but memorable characters, and the fact that it is soon getting a live-action remake. Before we get into the history of the film, let's talk about the plot. Spoilers ahead for the novel and the film, I won't be synthesizing the King Arthur legend, but if you are into ancient literature or medieval history, it's really worth a read. The Sword in the Stone gets its plot from the novel of the same name. The novel was first published in 1938 by T.H. White as a standalone novel, but was repurposed uh, many years later as the first novel in the Once and Future King series. The series has five books. So we're going to break down the novel first and then go to the film. The novel opens with Arthur, who is called The Wart. He is an orphan working for a lord in an English countryside. Wart is training to be a squire to the lord's son, Kay. One day, while adventuring, he gets lost in the woods, but is found by King Pelinor, who is hunting the questing beast. I imagine that they do more stuff with this character in later books. They don't really come back to it uh, in this one. Eventually, he stumbles across an old wizard named Merlin who often speaks of things from the future and the past. Um, you kind of get the gist that he may be capable of time traveling. Wart and Merlin, after having a conversation, decide to head back to Wart's castle for private training lessons, which sounds a lot creepier than it really is. With Merlin, Wart has a slew of adventures, including a trip as a fish, meeting Robin Hood, and battling a griffin with Kay. In that battle, Wart becomes injured and has to be bedridden. He breaks his collarbone, which is quite the recovery time now. Uh, very, very, very difficult back then. Wart continues his training through various scenes and vignettes uh, with Merlin by transforming into even more animals. The transformation uh, lets him leave his damaged body and uh, break free, if you will, into, his, uh, into some animal forms. Through all of these adventures, Wart learns lessons that will play into his rule much later in life and later in the books. This is a just pretty much of a setup novel with uh, some things to offer. When Kay is told he is being knighted, the group packs up and decides to head to London. So, you know, because Wart is still Kay's squire, um, it would only make sense that he would head out to the knighting ceremony. As Kay prepares for his jousting battle, he realizes that his sword is missing. Wart runs back to the inn, only to find it locked. His last hope is a sword he stumbles across, the sword in the stone, which actually is in an anvil in a stone. After getting encouragement from his animal friends, he pulls the sword out. 
When Kay learns of Wart's deeds, he forces him to replicate it, just to make sure. After doing so successfully, they all bow and crown Wart the King of England. As he is crowned king, he learns that he's actually the son of the last mythical king who died without an heir and is destined for the throne. It seems like a very cool novel, and the movie follows it very faithfully. I am going to try and actually check this one out. It sounds, sounds like a pretty neat series. With that out of the way, let's hit the film. The film begins with a message stating that the last king of England died with no heir. After his death, a magic sword appeared in an anvil. Whoever is able to pick up this sword out of the anvil will be of holy lineage and will unite England. About a decade later, a young boy by the name of Wart scares off a deer while the knight he works for is hunting. Going to retrieve the arrow, he becomes lost and eventually meets the wizard Merlin and his owl Archimedes. Merlin and Wart quickly bond, and after some conversations, they head back to the castle together for once more private training lessons. Still not creepy. Merlin decides to train Wart on how to become a great thinker, rather than a a strong, brooding warrior. We also find out that London is holding a huge jousting tournament, and the winner becomes the King of England. Just like the novel, the meat of this film comes in various shorts, where Arthur becomes an animal and learns a lesson, typically about the importance of relying on your brain instead of your brawn. Eventually, the lord that Wart is staying with accuses Merlin of black magic. So, Archimedes takes over training while Merlin attempts to lay low and stay out of the lord's way. Wart is also removed from his position as squire because he's really not paying enough attention, so he pretty much loses everything at this point. Eventually, Wart in the woods stumbles on the evil Madame Mim, a witch who is Merlin's equal in magical might. There's a lot of alliteration there. The two engage in a wizard's duel where Merlin comes out on top by giving her measles of all things. Right before heading to London, the knight's squire falls ill, allowing for Wart to take the place once again. Merlin objects quite a bit, but Wart decides to travel to London anyway. Wart then completes the journey, but we know the rest of the story. He forgets the sword at the jousting, he pulls it out of the stone, and then, you know, happy ending, he's the next king of England. Although, in the film, it should be noted, Wart is not exactly stoked about being the king of England right away, but Merlin comes back and decides that he will give him advice, and the three, uh, Wart, Archimedes, and Merlin, live happily ever after. Back to Disney. The start of this film production sends us all the way back to 1939, when Walt Disney announced himself he had purchased the rights to the novel The Sword in the Stone. Sadly for the studio, World War II broke out, which pushed back all non-propaganda films until morale boosters were not needed. Of course, World War II would end, but instead of being produced right away, the film was put on the back burner for the 40s and 50s. Now, the only real reason I could find for this is because there were more enticing projects that had a lot more traction to be released. Additional pressure with the film occurred when Walt's brother Roy told him to stop making movies, get rid of the animation department, and focus on the amusement park. Walt smartly said no because he needed more characters to populate the second part with, but made a deal with Roy limiting an animated film to one every four years. Early work on the film was done almost exclusively by Bill Pete. He spent the early days writing rather than storyboarding, something quite uncommon at the time, and I believe still is. Walt kept up with this, but did not give the go-ahead for production to really kick into gear until 1960, when Camelot made its Broadway debut and was a smash hit. Walt saw it, or someone else, one of the other higher-ups at Disney saw it, and told the whole office how awesome it was. Everyone could see how much of a success it was, so it's really a no-brainer. Walt did not approve of the first draft of the script, feeling that it had no substance, but he okayed the second after some serious length was added to scenes. It really seems like this movie was just going to be vignettes, uh, with the only connection being the cast of players. They tried to distance themselves from that, but, well, you'll see how we feel. Another Disney movie, another innovation. This film saw the birth of touch-ups on cells rather than the usual standard cleanups. Cleanups saw assistants trace drawings by hand before Xeroxing it onto a cell. With this film, a second piece of paper was not needed, and the picture could be Xeroxed and cleaned up directly on the first page. Saves time, saves money, everybody's happy. Casting was fairly complicated, with over 70 people trying out for the role 
of Merlin. Director Wolfgang Reitherman, more on him in a second, felt that most of the people who tried out were far too hokey and really wanted someone less corny but still had the right style of eccentricity. The film was directed by Wolfgang Reitherman, who had just finished directing 101 Dalmatians and would later direct The Jungle Book. He is a member of Disney's Nine Old Men, a group of animators who worked at Disney since its humble beginnings. Before we get into the release, let's talk about America. Well, 1963 was a pretty tumultuous year. First of all, we need to talk about the assassination of JFK for sure, which absolutely changed American history forever and had happened very recently to the release of this movie. The Vietnam War was currently booming and American unrest is growing but not only amongst the population being sent overseas, because the civil rights movement is gaining serious traction, and people of color all over the country are writing, living, and fighting for the end of segregation, and to have the same rights as whites. In a few weeks, Beatlemania will land in America, changing how music is written and what is popular. It's really an interesting year in American history. The 60s were an incredible decade for for all the stuff that happened, not only in the civil rights movement, but really in every facet. Um, But this year in particular had a lot of meat when it comes to historical events. Back to Disney. This film has seen many, many re-releases spanning the years, with a plethora of added shorts with each DVD. I'm not going to go into each individual one, but it varies. Initially, the film only made $4.7 million. While this would have been a success, over the years, successful re-releases have caused it to go on to gross $22 million, which is far better, obviously. This film was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Score, but lost out to a film called Irma Le Deuce. I have no idea what it's about, and I'm not going to look into it anytime soon. This film has a healthy amount of legacy attributed to it. Many characters would go on to appear in Disney's House of Mouse, as well as a spinoff called Mickey's House of Villains. In the past, Merlin would walk around the Disney theme parks and be a part of various meet and greets. Merlin was also a part of Walt Disney's Parade of Dreams, serving as a member of the opening unit. Historically, he has hosted the Sword in the Stone ceremony at the King Arthur's Carousel attraction at Disneyland. The song Higgitus Figgitus also saw some traction on the Disney Channel to promote the Children Working Out 10-Minute Shake It Up initiative. It's just basically a campaign to fight obesity. I have provided the video of the parade and the sword and the stone ceremony below. I could not find the Higginus Figginus 10-minute Shake It Up initiative video. Madame Mim got her own traction. She was turned into a Donald Duck villain who often teams up with other members of his rogues gallery. Madame Mim also appears in the video game World of Illusion, which I provided a long play for. I have the Mega Drive version. If there's a chance that is not the right version, I apologize. It didn't. My sources didn't really specify which, which one she appeared in. I imagine she probably appeared in all of them. Merlin serves as a supporting character in the Kingdom Hearts series, notably number one and number two, and he spends most of his time at Traverse Town, interacting with other Disney or Pixar characters. Let's finish with a discussion about talent. Ricky Sorison, as well as the other two, Richard and Robert Reitherman, who I might just be realizing right now, is the two twin sons of Wolfgang Reitherman. Well... All three of those actors play Arthur. Yes, you heard that right. Three actors for one character. This does not work well and plagues the film with awkward scene transitions. Two voices actually do sound alike because there are two brothers, but the third voice sounds like he hit puberty a long time ago. Carl Swenson plays Merlin. Swenson was actually supposed to play Archimedes, but he was shifted as the director felt the role would fit his acting style better. Junius Matthews plays Archimedes the Owl, and you may know him from Winnie the Pooh franchise as the Rabbit. So what did we think? Welcome back to Disney Rewind, the show where we talk about Disney movies you probably haven't heard of, and become quickly elitist. As always, I am your host, Ben, joined by my lovely co-hosts. Oh, me. Hello. I'm Maxwell. Ash. Rebecca. Darth Flammer. 
Okay. <laughs> so, good. Sith Lord. Sith Lord. Um, we are talking about the 60s movie, The Sword in the Stone. Of course, a Disney movie. And, as always, <laughs> let's start with some cool, fun themes. So, the movie really discusses the central theme of brain versus brawn. Which one do we personally think is more useful? Brawn. I'm going to say brawn. Yeah. yeah, I would say brawn, too. Brawn is really helpful. Brawn gets you into the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, brains are nerds. Right? I mean, I think it just depends on where you live, mm-hmm. how you live, what culture you are, yada, yada, yada. Well, brain turns to brawn. You can design a better weapon if you're brainy, but... In the end, it's the brawn of your weapon. That is true. But brawn, super strong, super able to defend yourself, you can get the brain. You go to college. You work out, you pump some iron, and then you go to, like, Physics 3. Man, I love the ROTC. Now, now hear me out. A brainy brawn guy. Exactly. That is terrifying. Watch somebody who didn't go to college make five times your salary. Exactly. For being a plumber. (laughs) Yeah. That's it's the way to do it. That is. Truck driver's the number one job in PA. Get paid a lot. Get paid a lot. Right, I just, uh, the weird thing is that King Arthur also had brawn. Like, well, obviously not as a child, but eventually it kind he of had brawn. It kind of felt like to me that Merlin was very much the, you must have brains, and then his uh, noble father was, you know, you must have brawns. And the, the, the moral is almost that people can be both, and that kings are both, so you need to be both. He's not like other girls. <laughs> no, it feels very, like, nice guy you know? The idea of... But that's, like, today's modern reading. Yes. It's like, I'm smarter, so I don't need to be strong. But what made him king? The he fact the that sword. he could do a physical act. Yeah, and true. And pull the sword out when no one else could. But he's ordained by God. Yeah, yeah that's, but, but nonetheless, really yeah. it was yeah. never physical because the strongest people tried to do it, and he came out there as like a ten-year-old. But still, it was still a physical act, not stepping in front and putting down the way he would rule or show and taking an IQ test. It's like I will lift this sword with my arm muscle, and you couldn't. Therefore, I win. Because I was able to do something physical that you couldn't. Hence, force, hence, broad. He never even uses any of the lessons that Merlin really teaches him when he pulls it out either. Like, there's nothing that he's learned up to that point that is really used to cement him as king. It works well if you're reading the book as the five-book series, because this book is supposed to show how... Arthur, yeah, April's taken We've a been joined by our other co-hosts. Yes, we clearly didn't film the book where they discussed having a personality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, but in the book you have, you watch Arthur from like There's start to death. So, so he's learning all these lessons to be used later, but in the movie he never uses them. It's interesting because <laughs> him pulling the sword out of the stone was more or less more of what his adoptive dad taught him. Where it's sort of like do this quickly, do it now, get it done. And he ran, pulled the sword out of the stone, ran back. And he certainly didn't know what to do with it once he pulled it out. He was like, I don't know what to do. Merlin! What do I do now? He's just nicer Joffrey. That's all he is. Nicer Joffrey ordained by God. But I guess Joffrey kind of was too. He's a doorman who was given the penthouse to the building. Yeah. (laughs) He's like Cinderella who didn't deserve it. Cinderella, like who has to deal with like, the politics of yeah. her uh, country? He's Alfred E. Newman, who actually got to be editor of Man Magazine. <laughs> what? Me? Where? Yeah, me? The film is made up of many shorts that wrap themselves up before the next sequence begins. Um, did we like that about the film? Did we like that everything was kind of <coughs> kind of placed in a nice short? Or did we think that it made the film seem all over the place and disjointed? Okay, so seven-year-old me ate that stuff up, and I loved it so much when I first saw it, because, I don't know, easy to pay attention to, don't really need to care about anything. Um, but re-watching it, I was like, wow, this has nothing to do with the source material. I mean, probably a little bit. No, like, so the source material is actually a book that... Is, is not the, sword the actual... And the anvil, right? No, Sword in the Stone, which oh, has nothing what? to do with the actual... King Arthur original... 
story. Well, it's right. based off of it, but it's not. Right, but it has, it's exact. not like the exact. So the movie actually follows the book very, very oh. well, um, minus a few details. And I'm assuming The Sword and the Stone's a kid's book, right? Um, yeah, I think it's like family adventure. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems very much. I didn't think I loved how... Like, we're going to get to movies that are just, like, a collection of three mm-hmm. shorts. But I I just... I think this film could have done better with a more connected plot. That's true. He was a pinball. The main character's a pinball. And when you watch somebody playing pinball, you never watch the ball. You watch the bumpers, you watch the lights, you watch the score. The ball just gets batted around. And that's what happened to this guy. It's like, oh, I should go there? Okay. Oh, I should do this? All right. For, and they never really controlled anything that happened to it. it was always like, well, now you're doing this. Yeah. Now we're going here. Merlin that was the driving really force. Which ironically makes you question, how how ready is he to actually be the king of England when he hasn't made a single decision for himself? Well, he is only a child, too, right. which is I think adds even more like question to the mix. But many kids were kings, but there was that always is, somebody yeah, behind them. Yeah, they always had a region, or and a whole lot of them got murdered. <laughs> yeah, once the kid was old enough to say, "Hey, yeah, <laughs> why am I doing what you tell me to do?" But I have the sense that this guy would never say, "Hey, no." He would yeah. say, "Wow, well, great." Yeah, sounds good. He, he's a great king for Merlin. Yeah, <laughs> Merlin right. gets to rule. That's right. Determinism versus free will, a theme quietly placed throughout the film and source material. We kind of just talked about this. So this is just kind of a fun little question. Do do you think we truly have free will as human beings, or do you think we are are living a deterministic life? That's a... Well, if you can't tell the difference, does it matter? That's a good point. I may not have free will, but if I don't know that I don't have free will, and it's an illusion, I still have free will. Right, wasn't that the... Who argued for that? I'm trying to think back to philosophy. Um, Descartes, right? No, yeah, Descartes, Descartes. Descartes thought a lot about, like... I think therefore I am. Not knowing if things... I mean, he didn't... Well, I don't know how much he talked about free will, but the idea of, like... No, he talks, he talks about it a lot, and his whole idea is that if everything is fake and everything is determined for him, that's fine because at least his thoughts are real. At yeah. least his thinking is real, and... Math is rational. <laughs> right. Of course, he also thought that everything came from the pineal gland in the middle of your head. Yeah. <laughs> On the downside, it takes. Well, he was a philosopher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But, yeah, well, that's, that's always... The question. One of the great questions of philosophy, determinism versus free will. This movie handled it very poorly as we were... Well, I mean, mentioned. King Arthur, uh, the kid, like... Didn't have to do anything and got all that stuff, so, like... He had zero free will because the legend states that uh, someone who is very holy and very, very buddy-buddy with the Christian God is going to pull this sword out of the stone and lead England out of the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. So, really, he he was totally... Yeah, I'm playing with the cat's way. Yeah, no, but, I was thinking of the Monty Python bit yeah, where, where she's like, oh, a woman lady in the lake chose you. <laughs> we didn't vote for you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, political power shall not be given by some strumpet in the middle of the lake with a sword. <laughs> it's like, obviously, it's the same but story. But what did King Arthur really do anyway? I don't know. Never... Not much. He sent his knights out chasing things, and then he ends up getting killed by his uh, nephew, right? Mordred? Yes, in battle. Yeah. And he fought. It doesn't matter who he fought, because the Normans came and said... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, anyway, an English legend. That's he, why... he found the... Um, didn't he, in canon, he finds the cup, though, the Holy Grail? I don't know if he ever No, Gawain, Gawain sees it, but I don't think they ever They never take find it. it yeah, know. because, like... There's like these, it's, oh, I've seen stories. The Last Crusade. Don't you worry. I've, I've watched The Last Crusade. I <laughs> no, think I know a thing or two about the one so thing, cool. good thing was the round table. Yeah. Like yeah, that. that was. Everybody's at equal distance. <laughs> except for the guy sitting next to him. Except for Sir Smelly, who sat in the corner and was yeah. giving orders. It's yeah. really, it's so cool. And the original one, where they sit at the table, too, delineates how important they are. But we got none of that in this movie. No. All we got was no. a boy. <laughs> You got a boy. Yeah, did King Arthur choose the kingdom or did the sword choose King Arthur? And who powered the sword? That's the story we didn't find out. According to Merlin, I think Arthur was chosen. 
because Merlin went, this kid's gonna change a lot. Well, according to the source material, there was, like, a mythical king of England who died without any heirs, and he decreed anyone who played, brings the sword out of the stone will lead England out of the Middle Ages, and then Arthur is apparently his long-lost son. Yes, what we didn't know was Merlin, right before Arthur came up with a can of WD-40, created <laughs> yeah. the stone. He's a wizard. He could have done whatever he wants. Yeah, that's right. Oh, those dark ages. So, so when was King Arthur? 500? 600? Yeah, I think somewhere between 500 yeah, to 800. Yeah. He was probably a Scottish king as well. The, the real, like... I saw a paper saying he was Welsh. But I don't think anybody knows. Doctor... That was just based off Dr. Somar when we talked about it. She, she said... She definitely would know more than me. Yeah. She's a PhD. He was healthy. Oh, well, she'd have a lot more double consonants yeah. in his name. But it is possible. And low I mean, IQ. Just kidding, Welsh listeners. Uh, just kidding. When we get to the published version of King Arthur, at that point, it's been taken by the Renaissance, and people are are making it this religious thing about uh, honor and chivalry and stuff like that. So the original King Arthur is very diluted <clears throat> from what, like... Is the source material like our founding fathers? <laughs> Washington yeah. and the cherry tree. Yeah, Thomas mm-hmm. Jefferson and freedom for all, except for the slaves. Except for his slaves. Yeah. And, yeah, we're back after a short bathroom break, featuring <laughs> yours truly, and a short Rita's break. Almost Rita's did not work. Did not work out. I forgot where we were. But, but thank you all for going. We were about to discuss the final thank point. You, Ashley. This season, we're looking at films that either deal with historical figures or looking back into the past. Now, this film obviously accomplishes this because it has to do with King Arthur. But did we think it? Uh, did we think it painted the past uh, in a not you know realistically, but in an alive manner? You know, did we think it painted the past in a entertaining way? Entertaining? Yes. Uh. Realistic? Wait, no. Were you entertained? I was entertained at the beginning until the story kept going on and on. <laughs> I, Madam Man made me happy. That was my biggest thing with this. You hated it. Okay, why didn't they make her Morgan? Why didn't they make her Morgan? She's Madam Min, bro. But Morgan's from the actual like. I wish they. Oh, she probably shows it later. Yeah, all you had to do was say her name was Morgan. Like, I don't know why they had to make up a character. Because there was already a character there. Oh, that, like, really ticked me off about this movie. More so on that later. I don't know anything about history. More <laughs> on that later. So we don't think it was historical very well? We kind of no. just think it was a no. movie in a historical setting? Mm. Well, no, I think if uh, King Arthur said, I pulled the sword from the stone, somebody would have said, so what, taking the sword and cut King Arthur's head off. <laughs> I totally agree happened. with that end part. Like, that never would have happened. And they put the sword back <laughs> and pull it out again. Wait, what? Make it like Game of Thrones, so it's super like... King Arthur dies, episode two. Just, yeah. <laughs> He's like the Ned Stark. That's right. Just killed right away. But historically, <laughs> well, well, they did use the word Art, name Arthur, which wasn't probably correct either. Sword and the Anvil, though, that was, that was, that was that correct. That was correct, that was... I mean, to the original story. Look, most likely, Ashley is a resident historian. What are the chances that any of this stuff actually even historically happened? The round table definitely did not exist. No, the round table. Definitely did not. How do you feel about Merlin? Definitely not. I think that King Arthur was definitely a king. He was probably well-liked or at least well-remembered or something about him is remembered because obviously they're, they're telling these stories and... Before it's written down, they're talking about it, so he's obviously somebody that was important. But I think what we fail to understand, like what is failed to be seen, is that King Arthur is just a story. Yeah. The this what we know of King Arthur is a story. It's not historical. It's or it's not historically accurate. And honestly, it paints a great picture of Renaissance culture more than it does yeah. uh, King Arthur. Written much so, later. Yes. Because the stuff King Arthur did wouldn't be happening in five or six or seven hundred. <laughs> no. no, no, the clothes that that's shown in the uh, cartoon 
the whole feudal system wasn't even, there. Even, no. even the chivalry wasn't a thing either. Like, okay. The whole idea of honor didn't exist. I wonder if Romans been around at that? Or Romans would have been long. Romans long. just had given up the ghost in uh, what, no. 500 or late yeah. 400. Well, yeah, we were oh, talking yeah. about they Western, Britain, not, yeah. not Eastern Rome. Yeah, they'd given up Britain. And, yeah, and he probably would have been past Hadrian's Wall, so they wouldn't have even bothered Yeah, if they had existed at the same time. So you can say the same thing about Beowulf for um, mm-hmm. uh, what's what's the Persian one? Oh boy, the first big one ever. Gilgamesh. 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 Oh, I was right. right. Yes. yes, that was that's, the first. That's I remember Sumeria. reading Gilgamesh. It's Sumeria, but yes, still a legend true. based uh, on the past. Yeah. yeah, based on a past king. That Gilgamesh definitely was a person. Did he go on this mythical journey where he fought a giant beast of the forest? No. no. That's how but I'm sure he was a cool guy. Yeah. And then there's all the Renaissance paintings where it's all the uh, subjects are like, oh, this happened 500 years ago, but I'm going to paint them in today's clothing. Yeah. I mean, we see that Merlin literally wears today's clothing at the end. Yeah, yeah but he, he goes is a time traveler. <laughs> I do like that a lot. I like that they added he was a time traveler because in the original he's not. But yeah. he is all seen. Like that he goes to Bermuda. Yeah, and he comes back in a Hawaiian shirt. Yes, Merlin's a pot stirrer. Yes, definitely. New segment, I guess not really new. Newer segment. The movie is of call of course called The Sword in the Stone. What would you do if you were just given, you know, someone told you you have to make a movie called The Sword in the Stone, what would your plot be? Mine would be the misadventures of the superheroes, the sword and the stone. One guy who's a real pinhead, looks like a sword, and one big fat lad who's the stone, and they would fight crime and having witty banner. Therefore, that is a so long title, it would s- never ever even like make a marquee. Sword and the stone. What about you guys? Sword and stone. All right, so hear me out. You know American Idol. <laughs> um, it would be American Idol or The Voice or X Factor. But instead of doing talent, they just try to pull the sword out. So, <laughs> like, you sign up, you get interviewed. And no, that's from a Thor movie. You, wait, what? That's from the th- first Thor. Do they do that in that? You Yes. Are you no one remembers the first. Wait, what? No, they don't. What they, are you talking about? They never go on a reality TV show oh, to no, try... Oh, no, 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 no. I'm but, talking about people... But like, all the news cameras are there. And yeah, because the press exists. And, well, <laughs> yeah. But I'm talking about you audition to be on it and everyone gets on it because you can't really say you don't have enough talent to pull a sword out of the zone. <laughs> Some guy screws up and Randy Jackson goes, that's a no for me, dog. <laughs> that, <laughs> that ain't it. That ain't it. A bunch of medieval people auditioning to <laughs> pull a sword out of the zone. I am Sir Gregory from Wilkinshire. Oh man, I already hate this one. Yeah. You're terrible. <laughs> Simon Cowell is also canonically there because he makes appearances as a kid's movies. Yeah, he school. always makes appearances well, in Shrek bad two. kids movies. Shrek two. <laughs> Shrek two is wait a minute. Is Shrek one of those movies? No, no, no that's so Dreamworks. 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 Sorry, but Shrek two. Did they buy Dreamworks? No. no. Oh, okay. Next Sword in the Stone movies still have to hear from three of you. What would your Sword in the Stones be? Um. So mine would be a informational video for a blacksmithing guild. So when they're hiring new blacksmiths, they have to watch their informational video, The Sword in the Stone. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that one. No, I like That's that one so a lot. Thank you. I would set mine up with NASCAR, <laughs> where it would be a racetrack and you had to clear the racetrack at a certain time, and that would be pulling out the sword from the stone. And everybody else would try to make it, and they'd either crash or not make the time. Or they'd leave because you took away their flag. But King Arthur would come out of nowhere on a bicycle instead of a race car and still <laughs> manage to make the lap in time. No politics unless I okay at first. Oh, I'm No, sorry. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to actually spend more time on the sword and the stone and less time on this completely colorless weirdo kid. Who, if he's going to be the king, I'm moving out of the country. <laughs> to well, I'm sorry. That kid is the king right now, and you're still in the country. Okay, Mom, what would your film be about? Well, what's the question again? Uh, you have to make a movie called The Sword and the Stone. What's your plot? Yeah, The Sword is the Stone. The end. Why are you so sexual? That's disgusting. I do every time. Oh, that's getting bleeped out. What? Why? Because... 
we have a because I have a PG rating. Maybe it's erotica. You know, everybody don't put care. the sword sword back in the stone. Nobody talks about that. Yeah, my sword in the stone would see the sword start as Adam Driver and the stone oh, as, no, uh, no Adam Driver as Scarlett Johansson, oh, and, no, uh, no. and they would go through a divorce. Adam Driver's <laughs> out of the house. Yeah, and, I know. And you know how much I love him, but your father will not have him. No, in the house. so who else? Who else? Like Gandhi could pull the sword out of the stone. Definitely. And this, you know, the sword out of the stone would have been making peace between the Muslims and the Hindus. That's what's going to bring us into general thoughts, your thoughts, but generalized. I want to get the cat out of the bag right now. Why did Arthur have three voice actors? Who okayed that? A what? You know, Arthur had that's three why his voice, voice actors. Different every, every single, single time? Yes. Yeah. There were what? three. Were they all tired or something from oh, their like, like four lines? Two were brothers, so it was kind of okay, yeah, you know. Made no sense. But one sounded like he hit puberty, like a drunk driver hits a deer. Like <laughs> one sounded like he hit puberty forty-five years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was there actually any reason? I mean, did they make the movie over a certain time and the so, actors no, kept dropping out? Not what I could do. No reason, but one person wrote what reason they could have done, which is it shows the character's growth as he keeps going. Oh, that was not the reason. Baloney pants. Yeah, so maybe it's child, la- child labor laws and they could only have the actors work so long. Child labor laws, first of all, barely existed back then. This was the 60s. 63. 63. And child labor laws were more about babies. I don't know. Walt Disney, you know, I mean, he's dead, so who really cares what we say? Not the greatest guy. Yeah. Don't know. Oh, you mean Nazi Disney? Well, yeah, yeah. Fair but enough. nonetheless, a real artist. Yeah. Yeah, but Nazi Disney? Well, Nazi Disney, but Nazi artist. Well, he may have been a Nazi, but he, he didn't force kids to work long hours. And at the end of the day, <laughs> that was a satire. He just donated satire. money to people who did. Well, he had a vision. He didn't care who he stepped on to make the visions come true. And we're canceled. All right, everybody, let's wrap it up. <laughs> Wrap it up. Let's head out. Hey, he had a vision. He had a vision of ridding the world of Jews. No, he had a vision of making animated films. About ridding the world of Jews. Well, no. But no. I mean, his, his movies. And he was just a, a jerk on the side. But At this point, Walt Disney was not even... Was not even really doing anything at the studio. Yeah, he was done. He was honestly about to die. This is the last movie produced while he was still Before alive. Before the Jewish guy took over? Michael Eisner? No, he took over in the 90s. Yeah. Wow. But, um... He took over before that. Plenty of people who screwed up. Wow. And almost cost... not his brother, though. Nope. No. No, he didn't... What happened No, his, his brother? brother told him, actually, don't make this movie. Stop making movies. Focus on your theme park and just do re-releases. And Walt told him, no. Hmm. Yes, and when everybody took over the studios, the brother would say, these people are putting out crap. And then, of course, they were putting out crap, mm-hmm. but they just kept saying, "Yeah, right, Roy." Yeah, see you later, Roy. Yeah, thanks for funding my theme yeah, park, Roy. Now go die. Funded everything. Yeah, Roy, your name is Disney, but to us, your name is Schmo. <laughs> yeah. So, what did we like about this movie? Okay. Let's start can with we, what we. Can we start with what we didn't like? Yes, of course. Well, one's there was no historical longer. context in it. It was just like weirdness with this boy and these other characters and there just there just wasn't a story and there could have been a great story about a story about somebody came from nothing and finds out all the things you know i know harry potter is currently uh declasse no 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 no. jk rowling is no harry potter itself is bad there's a lot of Awful stuff. Uh, it, depends. Uh, it depends on All right. who you talk. Nonetheless, Harry There's Potter starts out. Slavery is okay in it. They literally say no. I'm talking about the character of Harry himself. No, I know. I'm just saying this, this is not a Harry Potter thing. podcast. We're back to neutral ground. Well, let's go back to Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist starts out as <laughs> a, an orphan, beaten and abused. You know, finds a family of thieves, but then says, "No, this is not the way it should be," and grows in power and gains in things. And becomes a complete person at the end. And Arthur's just like, oops, I turned into a goldfish. Oops, like, oops, oh, oh, oops, oh, oh, oops. What do I do now? I'm king, doy. Can I say doy or is that these days? I I don't know. I don't know. We'll see in the post. No growth at all. That's Max. I feel like in some ways it could be... In any event, forget the doy. Say doe. 
Dope. It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll edit this. We don't have to worry about it. I know, but he I could have had a lot of growth and become a full person from his experiences. But at the end, he's like, I'm still the same yo-yo I was at the beginning. But now <laughs> I'm true. king. Woo-hoo. That's true. And, yeah. and that guy would have been knocked story. off so fast in Game of Thrones, his head wouldn't have even spun. No, they, they wouldn't even need to kill him. They would just send him to an island and he would be too stupid to even <laughs> want to go. No. <laughs> Why kill him? That's too much effort. This is one of the laziest characters I have ever seen Disney put on the screen. I gotta tell you, you're right. This about is that. What do you horrendous. Think about? Rumor is that Merlin was based off of Disney as a practical joke because all the animators were sick of his crap. It's just this is not a passion project. This was a movie that felt forced. Yeah. And I mean, no wonder it was like the way it was. It started production in the late thirties. It well, took him listen, thirty years. It was no Nemo, I'll just say no. that. But on the other hand, there was a lot of good things about it. Go ahead. Yeah, well, wait, 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 no, Ashley. Yeah. Ashley and I didn't talk about what we didn't like. Um I have something Oh, do you want me to go? Yeah, go for it, Max. Um, I agree that it was bad. I wish the Merlin teaching would have had some influence on the stone and the sword, because that would have been great. Also, there was really no point for the squirrel scene. I did not like the squirrel scene. Um, As a child, I found it very weird and uncomfortable, because I realized humans and squirrels did not belong together. Yeah, well, not in your world. Together? Not not in sexual or romantic ways. Clearly, you've never been to rainforest. Rainforest. Rainforest, yeah, actually. Yes. What's that? That's the. It was a furry, furry convention, convention that oh. ended with ended with them being banned from every hotel in the state due to Why drug were they use. They no, were doing, they were doing well, odd yeah, things. leaving oh. soiled diapers around the hotel lobby on people's cards. On people's cards, incredible drug use. That's a lot of dry cleaning. Look, if the B-movie taught me anything, it's that movies like that do not go... <laughs> anyway... Oh, wait, who did but, the B-movie? Uh, yeah, not Disney, thank okay. God. Um, but my point is, like, I never liked that scene. It felt weird, and then all they do is make squirrels cry over the fact they didn't get a mate, and then they said squirrels mate for life, which isn't true. That was a very Pepe Le Pew thing, too. Yeah. yeah she I ruined that for dad. And the fish scene was great and all, but, like... Why? I have some moat. Yeah, that was huge. I I was there a sturgeon or a gar? It was a pike. It was a pike. It was a pike. And I understand why. um, Don't they need running water? Isn't that pikes are freshwater fish? That would be freshwater. It's a moat. But it's not running. I thought pikes were or pikes wake. That was a moat that you could swim miles in. Yeah. Compare that with Nemo, which is one of our next movies. Yeah. Every everything that happens in Nemo happens for a reason. And progresses the plot and adds mm-hmm. something. Everything in this movie that happened was just like, well, we need something to happen. Let's do this. Let's do that. Yeah. And Nemo's more like, well, let's do this and let's do that. Yeah. But at the same time, we're going to have some character growth or we're going to move the plot forward. Um, but I understand why Arthur's fish was super small because he's a kid. And at that age, I'd probably think goldfish. Haha. Why the hell was Merlin that small? Merlin knows better. <laughs> Merlin just becomes a shark in the because I think Merlin's a quack. I don't think Merlin had that much power. Yeah, that's true. He turned yeah. into a virus but and he, killed Mad Yeah, yeah. He, he literally that was funny. For a virus. That was actually <laughs> hilarious. Hi, Rosie. I think the problem with this movie, it reminds me very much of... Um, what is that really famous British one about the Holy Grail? Monty Python. Monty Python. It, it feels like a very like PG watered down, watered down Monty Python because you have the sketches, you have the random Bits. humor, and like maybe it would have been funny back then, but it still is lacking. It definitely hasn't aged well. It just Monty well, Python hasn't aged well. No, no, no. Oh. This one, yeah, no. yeah. Monty Python and Holy Grail still holds. No, up. Monty Python and Holy Grail is hilarious. That is the same thing, though. Every section was just like, this section's here just for this section. Yeah. The yeah. cutaways were same so Same way Monty Python is. The cutaways were just like, ha-ha, and then fade to black. I had big issues with the music here. This music, the music was horrible. None of the songs were good. 
I don't want to hear old guys sing. Man, you know, I want to hear. I just there was no music there it that I enjoyed. That I lied. Uh, early sixties. But like, what what other movies came out of the early sixties? Robin Hood has some memorable. Does is Robin Hood have singing in it? I think Robin they have Hood. Songs. I think it's the seventies. Uh, is it? I have to look it up. Here I'll check. Well, I'm not. Are they they're singing in 101 Dalmatians? I'm trying to think. What other 60s Disney movies there were? I'll look up 60s Disney movies. Actually. But regardless, it's not like they weren't yeah. doing good. I mean, even Snow White had good songs. Well, Dis- mm. yeah, a lot of Disney movies have great songs that became classics. Mary Poppins came out that year, or in 64. Yep. Yeah, yeah, apparently they got all the Ace songwriters. It's like, well, you guys, you're almost yeah. enough, but let's put you in charge of this one. Yeah. Okay. It was just... it. It felt like they put out a movie because they needed to and because they had bigger and better plans in the future. Because, right. I mean, The Jungle Book was next. And that is a great movie. Oh, the voice actors, though, too. Yeah. These, I mean, the voice actors in this movie worked in other Disney movies. Right. So. This, I mean, the movie did well. The movie made its money back initially, and through I think three theatrical re-releases, made made twenty-two million overall, or whatever figure I provided in my historical section when I'm reading from my script. Yeah. But like it did well; it was a success. I don't think it was very good. I feel like it could be very, very entertaining for young kids because it's quick shorts; they're not related, so you don't have to pay attention, and it's. Relatively short. Yeah, like, it's you, perfect for little kids. I think for adults, it's just not. What year was this again? 63. 1963. Okay, 63. Uh, already a... 63? No, late. It was already a historically bad Not year. after November, was it? It was. It was December. Okay, December. So Kennedy died. The whole world was in a crapper. Yeah, Kennedy's everybody already died. Everybody needed something that would make them feel better. So everybody's like, yes! That's, you know, the Beatles certainly got helped a lot by the Kennedy death. Yeah, people said oh, we need something good. So this it's, was like a happy-go-lucky. Movie well, it was that. something. Yeah, it's like let's still feel bad about something that just recently happened that completely crushed the nation. It was the Disney. Oh, let's go see this movie yeah. for kids! Yay! It was the Disney Christmas movie. Kennedy had just died. Sixty-three was always already a very difficult time if you weren't white in most of the country. Right. So. I guess escapism is nice, so points for escapism. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Stare Rogers movies. I mean, it's the same thing that happened during the Depression. People yeah. went to go see movies because why sit in your sad, sad, impoverished house when you can watch yeah. good-looking rich people do stuff? That's it. So, yeah, I'm certainly that, that helped. But there you go. And a classic story of things right. were right. But oof. Any final thoughts before we move to ratings? We were going to talk about the good. Oh, yeah. Does Archimedes. Are you like Archimedes? Archimedes. Archimedes. He was so good. I liked so Archimedes. Great. He was yeah. so adorable. It was nice. Matt. He was adorable. It was the same voice as the Tootsie Roll ad. Yeah. So a lot of uh, nostalgia for that. Oh, was the same voice? Well, same sounding voice. Yeah. And it was another same look, L. too. How many licks does it take to get to the bottom of a Tootsie Roll? He was so <sighs> cynical. It was great. I loved his name. I think it's cool. I think using Archimedes' name... Archimedes, like, the Greek Archimedes is yeah. cool. And, of course, it's a tie in the Watchmen, so it's a little yeah. extra bonus like, for us. In what? Clash of the Titans as tie well. the Watchmen. There's, like, a golden owl, and oh. I think its name is Archimedes. And, and what? Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's the tie in the Watchmen. Because the one character, Night Owl, his ship is... He's in the Owls, and his ship is named Archie, which is short oh, for, Archimedes. for Archimedes. Okay. But was I that think the, the show one from Clash of yeah, yeah Clash but of I think it might be yeah, yeah, from Greek that. mythology yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Go go read Watchmen. I think everyone here at Disney Rewind can no. get a good go read or watch Watchmen. I've never seen it, so I can't. You mean the, the show that you and I watched? Yes, the yeah, TV we're show about the, uh, the the graphic novel. Graphic novel. Oh no, no, no I'm talking graphic. about the show, which was the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. The comic book is phenomenal. Yeah. It's uh, very heart wrenching. I also enjoyed the father and Kay. I thought that was very funny, slapsticky kind of comedy. Very much reminded me of Looney Tunes or other shorts from Disney. I thought it was nice. I thought it was 
You didn't like it? I hated it. I yes. Thought, yeah. I think, I don't, but I don't like that type of humor, so like, yeah. Same. That's a typical Disney. The crapped on kid is the one who will prevail. Yeah, yeah. It's a big trope. And I felt, oh, Rosie sees you playing with the toy. Um, I also felt it was weird that uh, Kay didn't know how to joust. I if he was a knight, he would definitely have to know how to joust. Yeah, yeah he should have known how to joust. It was well, he was training to be a knight. He was yeah. a page or something. Yeah, oh, but, like, he's a page. Yeah, yeah, page would like strap the armor on and get you on the horse and then yeah. watch. And they knighted him just so they could have a... Yeah, also, do you know how pissed off I would be if I won that tournament to become the King of England and then some pipsqueak took That's my prize right. away? I'd be livid. Well, you would take your sword out and cut him. Yeah, I was about to say, I would crush him like the wart he is. Yeah, well, exactly. (laughs) Disney versus Game of Thrones. Um, Anything else I liked about this film? Merlin in... No. No, I meant in in the modern clothing. Yeah, that was a good bit. It felt weird. It reminded me of the bit they do in Aladdin where Genie goes to Florida. It was very, very similar to that. And, um... I really liked the wizard fight. I thought that was well done. Yeah, and I thought it was well, creative that he became a, a, a virus to kill her. Although I don't know if that's an original thought. I've been reading the 1960s Ant Man run, and he battled with a bad guy named the Voice, and he gave the Voice laryngitis to defeat him. So I don't know who came up with it first. Uh, <laughs> I can't really <laughs> ask. Colonists came up yeah. with it first. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and on that note, we are going to move to <laughs> ratings. Yes, always wash your blankets first. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, questions first, comfort later. <laughs> <laughs> Ratings. I'm most important, so I will go first. Do it. I give this movie a 2 out of 10. Before, I was going to give it a 3 Uh-oh. out of 10. But because of our conversation, it's been lowered by a whole other point. This movie sucked. It felt like a drag to get through, and it wasn't even that long, uh, dear viewers. It was like an hour and ten? Mm-hmm. Hour uh, and twenty, maybe? Wasn't it a hundred and ten? No, no, that was Nemo. That was Nemo. It was like an hour and ten, hour and twenty. That is a very short film. And they still filled it with filler. Huh. So, it was, it was clearly, clearly something that had gone through many revisions over its production or clearly something that really should have been released when it was initially supposed to decades prior but instead they tried going with the multiple scenes as a short formula that kind of worked in Snow White and kind of works in some other movies and it fell flat on its face Max you can go next so 7 year old me would have given this movie like an 8 or a 7 because still I hate the squirrel scene it's so bad um, I think right now I'm just going to give it a 4 because there's still the nostalgia of watching it at school at some point and going ah yes I get to watch a movie right now and not do work this Valid. is beautiful and also I like Madame Mim for some apparent reason I don't know it's the granny witch I like witches they're cool and she was evil and I liked her Ashley um I'm gonna give it a 1.5. When I watched Whoa. it as a child, I hated it. I still don't like it, so it's a 1.5. Mom, I'm with Ashley. Wow, it's barely a 1.5. These eyes are low ratings. I picked the Black Cauldron. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wait, you chose uh, Princess and the Frog. Yeah. It's our second highest rated film. It's the second highest. Yeah. Wow. Oh, did you choose this movie? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Darth Stevius. Yeah, anyway, I was saying I would give this a seven when I started watching it because my previous movie had been The Black Cauldron, and but then as it <laughs> went on and on, it kept dropping to about three, and just because what what it was, it was supposed to be an entertaining movie for kids to take your kids to, so they did that. Well, <laughs> they did a movie that didn't totally stink, but... You realize the cats aren't even going for that. I know, but as far as, far as my experience, it was um, bad, bad, bad from a story standpoint. But the animation was good. That is true. I liked Archimedes, and the animation was pretty good. I mean, Archimedes kind of bumped it up for me. Archimedes yeah. bumped it up, and um, except for the story, this would have been kind of a winner. 
And for the length, I don't know, but back then in the early 60s, were they, did Disney make short films from what Pixar does? It was like show um, first? 79 no. minutes total. Well, then that's just horrible. I guess you would need some newsreels or, or something. Or at least not that I found through my research. I right. There could have been a, like a short or something. So it went from a seven down to a three, and that's generous. So we'll go with a two and a half, just because it could have been a whole lot more. Do you see what it is? That is a 2.3 out of 10, our lowest by a country mile. Was it, what was Black Culture? A 2.4, sorry. So it's not the lowest by a country mile. <laughs> country mile. It is the lowest by a sneeze. No. You're Can I raise mine so that Black Culture is still on the bottom? <laughs> no. <laughs> so before we close the show, I like to do a question of the week. Definitely. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not stoked about running a country. Certainly not today in the post-Brexit world. So, what would your reward for pulling the sword out of the stone be? Mine would definitely be a getaway to the Bahamas. Maybe Turks and Caicos, you know? Little, little, you know, I'd pull the sword out of the stone. Two plane tickets to a nice little private island for a week. Uh, mine would be the Republican Party deciding, nah, Trump, no, Pence, no. Let's find somebody else to run. <laughs> so that's how we pick our next president. The sword it's by the, the sword. Well, it's by what the person who picks the sword out of the stone wants. <laughs> Mom? Mm, you guys still thinking? The award? Yeah, what uh, would your reward be? An automatic guest spot on Wheel of Fortune. Okay, perfect. Wow. So you pull the sword out of the stone and then get transported to <laughs> sunny Florida with Vanna White. How is that new Wheel of Fortune or old Wheel of Fortune? Uh, would be old Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, that's what I would do too. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> starts clapping. You, you can do Well, to buy your uh, presents. Yeah, that's right. You buy what you want. Very cool. Um... <laughs> so for my prize for pulling out the sword, uh, I'm gonna pick the obvious one here. Uh, it's gonna be the sword. It's gonna be a prize. Oh, I'm gonna pick the sword. <laughs> I mean, I'd be pretty happy with like a super old Nordic sword. That'd know be you red. Would. I would hang that above my. Yeah, I was gonna go. You are all fools. The sword is the reward. Because oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. Ashley and I had the same idea. <laughs> you guys, uh, are, you guys pulled, are like two peas we, in a pod. We pull out a sword. I get to keep the sword. It's mine now. Ashley, what would you do with your sword? Hang it above my fireplace. Oh, I'd be using it. Oh, you mine. get a fireplace? Because I never You'd be got a using fireplace. It. Yeah. Well, I'd go take my AR-16 out oh, of the gun store. <laughs> That's what I would pull out. Yeah. Challenge you. No, see, yeah. I, would, I would just be... I wouldn't be using them the cut people up, but I would, like, use it to intimidate people. Use like, it someone, to, like, cook? Someone, I would also use it to cook. <laughs> someone would come and throw to me, and I'd just pull out my sword and start cleaning it and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Swords. Before we depart for good, uh, I just dawned on me that some individuals who are part of this podcast may have other stuff to plug. And by dawned I mean, I mean, Max just texted me. <laughs> So Max, <laughs> I wanted to do it because Ben's in it. Max I and I like do a show together where I do literally zero work, and it is so refreshing. And that oh, show I, is we are, uh, do the STEM sibling podcast. It is a podcast where we are both STEM majors. We are siblings, so we talk about science and everything that falls beneath it. I uh, always bring up the topic what do you mean beneath it, and like I bring the mathematics, jokes. Mathematics, uh, biology, because mathematics is a science. Oh. Biology. I mean, oh, that's so cute. But, yeah, we do that podcast podcast together. Um, every episode is about 15 minutes at most. It's a fun... It's a quick listen. It's a quick listen and kind of informative. We use academic sources. And then, Steve, mm-hmm. you also have a podcast. Or, sorry, Darth Vlamius. You <laughs> also have a podcast. <laughs> I do, but I'm so lazy. We need to get our new episode out. E-Gads. Yep. Well, I've plugged yeah, you guys before. What happened been- with our big... I don't know. I, it's like I'm busy, Jonathan's busy, and neither one of us. Uh, it's a problem with having two people in charge. Next week's episode, you can find all these on Podbean, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, all on Podbean. 
We're on iTunes also for stamps. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so wherever you get your podcasts, minus maybe Spotify for you guys. Yes, I know Max I, and I are on Spotify. We are. This podcast is on Spotify. Is your podcast on no, Spotify? This podcast is on Spotify. I am so sorry. I don't know how to put it on Spotify yet. Um, next week, which means whenever we record, because time is meaningless, and I just upload these episodes as I feel, <laughs> and I've already run out of space. I'm talking too much. Next episode, no, we'll be Finding Nemo, a movie we just watched. So, Record right now? No, but record very soon. Finding Nemo, and then of course, after that we have the movie Black Hole, a sci-fi live action bonus episode. That may beat Sword in the Stone. And we round it out with Coco to round out season two. So, be... Wait a second, what's the one with the New Orleans one? Princess and the Frog. No, New Orleans. That's that Princess and the Frog. Frog. Is that Coco? No, Coco. No, Princess Coco's and the Frog Mexico. is New Orleans. Oh, yeah, Mexico. What's the Day of the Dead one? Coco. That's, Coco. That's it. You like that one? Love it. I, I adore that movie. Yeah, I love that one. Anyway, we'll be back to finish season two, and then season three. I've already made my season three pick. It's in the works, so uh, stay tuned. And remember, the real prize is the friends you made along the way. <laughs>